Palm Sunday, but it went by a different name that first Palm Sunday, and we'll be thinking about that, and we'll be looking today in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 6 to 8, and would you please stand as read from God's Word. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word that prophesied hundreds of years before about Palm Sunday, it came true. And and these fulfillments of your word, they remind us that we can trust in your word. You keep your promises. Pray you'd work through your word in our lives now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. With the Lord, things don't just happen. He's purposeful. He does what he does for a reason. And he, he came into Jerusalem on that day for a reason. It wasn't just a convenient day when he was able to find a donkey. There was a reason he chose that day, he chose where he entered, and all of those kind of details. Because as we said, that day, we call it Palm Sunday. But at the time, they didn't call it Palm Sunday, they called it Lamb Selection Sunday. It was a Sunday when the the Jews would go and they'd select the lamb that was going to serve as their Passover lamb. And it was at that very day, that very time, when they're out picking a lamb for the Passover meal, that Jesus knew this is the day to enter. And Jesus, in a way, he's entering, and and by entering on that day, he's kind of declaring to them, he's saying, here's your Passover lamb. Here's the lamb that you need to choose. Here's the lamb. Jesus is the true Passover lamb. They would select a lamb, and as they had done for thousands of years, they'd pick a lamb for the Passover meal. But all of those lambs that they would pick out each year, really, in a way, were a a type of a prophecy. All of those lambs were pointing ahead to the true lamb. The Passover itself, it all pointed ahead to Jesus. Passover was the feast that they would hold once a year, and they'd celebrate and they'd remember this great work God had done with Moses and the Exodus. They had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and and then God said, now's the time I'm going to be setting my people free. And Pharaoh kept saying no, but then finally he said, this is it. And he said, death is going to come to the firstborn of every house, except for those houses where they're covered by the blood of the lamb. Those houses that have a lamb and take the lamb's blood and then cover the door, then death will pass over those homes. And then he told them to have this feast each year to remember how they had been saved from death and they had been set free from slavery. 
that Passover, it was really all about pointing ahead to Jesus. Because Jesus does what happened then to even greater extent. Jesus is the lamb that was sacrificed for our sin and eternal death passes over those who are covered by the blood of Christ. Those who are trusting in what Christ did go from being slaves to sin to being set free. The first Passover lamb, it brought freedom from Egypt. But Christ, our Passover lamb, he, he sets us free from eternal death. He sets us free from sin. They, that day they would look for, for the right lamb. They'd try to look for as good a lamb as they could. But Jesus, he's the perfect lamb. He is the one as described in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18. He says, you were redeemed. And he says, not with other things, but he says, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He is a perfect Passover lamb. All other lambs would have some kind of blemish, some kind of defect. It's inevitable as part of life in this world. But Christ is the one, has no blemish, no defect, the one who is a perfect price, the, the perfect substitute, the one who is a perfect payment for sin. Back then, they'd go to a market, probably like we today go to a market, and you look at, you maybe look at the cuts of meat, and, you, and especially some, they maybe really inspect that meat, and they look, and they say, well, it's got a little bit too much fat here. I don't think the cut, they say it's fresh, but it doesn't look really fresh. You can imagine before picking out the Passover lamb, how they were probably looking over the meat and saying, I don't think it's as good as that butcher says it is. We find defects in anything of this life. But we rejoice that Christ, our Passover lamb, you can look, you can inspect, and you don't find a blemish, you don't find a defect. He is perfection, and he meets a mark, so he is a perfect sacrifice for sin. He's the perfect sacrifice, and Jesus' entrance fulfilled the word. He fulfilled God's word. He came on just the right day. He came to the right place. The entrance that he used for going into Jerusalem, it says in scripture, when it describes Palm Sunday, it says he came from the east. He had been with friends in Bethany and he had been on the Mount of Olives and then he comes down this hill and he comes and he, he enters in what was called the east gate, the golden gate. It was a gate that had been prophesied back by the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was his prophet at the time when Jerusalem was being overtaken by the Babylonians and, and the people had sinned. And then Ezekiel has his vision of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. But then he had a vision where God promised a day was going to come. And he promised him the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Ezekiel gets his prophecy, this vision that one day, and he says it in the kind of past tense because he was confident of this vision. He said, one day the glory of the Lord is going to enter Jerusalem through the gate that faces east. That's the very gate that Jesus entered through. And 
really a way what was happening on Palm Sunday was a fulfillment of this prophecy given to Ezekiel. The glory of the Lord was entering. In John 1, 14, he, he says, We have seen his glory. He's talking about Jesus, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of the Lord was entering Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. It maybe seemed like just a, a man on a humble donkey. But really, as God was looking at that, as he was entering that gate, he says, this is what I showed Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord entering in. The people de declared on that Palm Sunday, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus is letting them know you got it right. This is the blessed one. This is the glorious one who's entering Jerusalem. That gate that they call the East Gate, it's now boarded up. This is a picture of it in modern day. And it's a boarded up thing. There's no entering. And, and the extreme Orthodox Jews wanted to be opened up. And they believe that the Messiah is going to come one day. They say the Messiah will come through that gate. Sadly, they have missed that the Messiah has already come through that gate. <laughs> he came through that gate 2,000 years ago. It's, it doesn't need to be boarded up. No, the Messiah entered that gate already. That's what Palm Sunday is about, the Messiah, the glorious one, entering. The East Gate, it, it enters in, and then next to that East Gate, just as they, they go in, would go in the East Gate, there would be another gate just to the right. It's very possible that, that Jesus and the donkey and the others, they entered in through the East Gate, and then they took a, a turn to the right to this next gate that was called the Sheep Gate. It was a gate that they would bring the sheep in for the temple sacrifice. And they bring the sheep in through that gate. And the sheep came from Bethlehem was where many of the sheep that were used in the sac temple sacrifice came. And that day on Palm Sunday, it's Jesus, the one from Bethlehem, the Lamb of God, comes and enters the sheep gate. All of this prophecy was being fulfilled. And it is a declaration and a reminder that God keeps his word. As 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. He keeps his promises, and we rely on that. In ancient cities, they would close the gates at night, but then they would be ones who'd be wanting to come to the city and trading and they'd rely on somebody to come to open the gate and they'd be hoping, I hope somebody keeps their word and they come and open the gate. Well, we give thanks that the Lord has kept his word. He's opened the way so that we can come into him. We can come into the most holy place. Christ is our Passover lamb. But he's a lamb that is not a pet lamb. He came as a lamb to be sacrificed. As it says here in 1 Corinthians 5, he is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. He entered Jerusalem for the purpose of the cross. Jesus knew what awaited him. He knew clearly what was coming. On Sunday, as he entered Jerusalem, he wasn't fooled by all the praises that were being sung out. He knew what was going to be happening on Friday. 
he knew that, yeah, they're singing my praises now. But on Friday, I'm going to hear him say, crucify. Jesus is coming that day, and he's coming to offer himself as the lamb. He's coming that day to offer himself as a sacrifice, and he knew the pain and the suffering, the humiliation. He knew all that was coming, but he entered anyway. John 12 Soon after his entrance on Palm Sunday, Jesus said, But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He even knew that it was going to involve being lifted up and nailed to a cross. And yet he entered anyway. In Isaiah 53, written 700 years before Christ. The prophet said about Jesus, said he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. We can imagine what it was like for Jesus to read these words and to know they're about me. He would read these words and he'd know that's describing what's going to happen to me. And yet he doesn't fight it, he doesn't resist it. Instead, he insists that it needs to happen. He told his disciples in Luke 18, verse 31, he says, we are going up to Jerusalem. Some of them at the time, they said, no, it's dangerous there, we shouldn't go there. He said, no, we are going up to Jerusalem. And he tells them, basically he says, you don't know how dangerous it is. He says, they will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. But they did say on the third day he'll rise again. Jesus knew all that was going to happen. And yet he says, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to enter there. There was a tragic shooting in the Christian school in Nashville recently. We need to pray for those who suffered loss and trauma from that. And as we pray for those who've suffered, we give thanks for those police officers who courageously entered. And police officers in situations like that, they, they enter the building and they know that it might be dangerous, but they go in anyway. Imagine one's going in and they don't just think we might get hurt. We know. <laughs> that would add another dimension. <laughs> We give thanks for their bravery with going in when they think it could happen. Jesus, he didn't just go into Jerusalem saying, well, there's a chance. It might be dangerous. Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen. And yet he went in. He went in because we needed one to go in to Jerusalem and go to the cross and go to the cross for us. Jesus willingly made his life the sacrifice. He has been sacrificed. He is the one who, who chooses to do this. Uh, others, lambs, they, lambs didn't volunteer for the Passover meal. But Jesus is the Lamb of God who, who said, here I am. Take me. 
They called him on that Palm Sunday King and Messiah. The religious leaders were upset, but Jesus is letting them know, no, they got it right. But still, he lays down his life. He's a king who wasn't forced to do it. As he says in John 10, in verse 17, he says, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down to my own accord. Jesus didn't get dragged into Jerusalem. We don't see the disciples pushing him into Jerusalem that day, saying, you got to go, you got to go. No, the disciples are even warning, maybe we shouldn't. But Jesus insisted that he had to go. He went, as we just looked at in Isaiah 53 and verse 7, he, he's led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Lambs have been created by God in such a way that they do just what he describes here in Isaiah 53. They go more way more willingly than other animals. My dad grew up on a farm in Minnesota, and he, they had sheep at times and cows, and they had variety animals like a lot of farms in that day. And he, he said, he would tell me about how the sheep, it's just like it says in the Bible, he says the sheep, he'd lead them to the slaughter, and they'd just kind of look at you, and they wouldn't really put up a fuss or fight. He said it was really kind of a little unnerving and made it almost a little more difficult. He said some of the animals that got ornery, you kind of didn't feel so bad about leading them to the slaughter. But the lamb, you kind of felt almost a little bad about it with them. Jesus surprised the ones who he was on trial before because he wasn't fighting it. He wasn't resisting it. Instead, he willingly went. And he did it because he knew we needed the Savior. We needed the sacrifice to be made for our sin. And so he chose to be the Lamb. And because he chose to be the Lamb, we are made new. Because of the cross, we're made new. He speaks here in 1 Corinthians about old yeast and new yeast. And, and all of that is to illustrate that the old has gone, the new has come when we're in Christ. Our old sin is swept away. Lamb Selection Sunday, that Sunday before the Passover, it was starting preparation. And a big part of the preparation was getting the house ready and doing an extensive cleaning of the house. And part of it, too, was doing what he talks about here in 1 Corinthians, getting rid of the old yeast for, a, for there to be a new batch. And getting rid of the old yeast was another reminder about the Exodus. In the Exodus, they were told to, to get going right away. And they couldn't wait for bread to rise. They couldn't do bread with yeast because it would take a while. And so they said, no, you don't have the old yeast. You got to get rid of that. And so they'd get rid of that before the Passover as this reminder about what had happened. And it was also another thing that speaks to the work of Christ. As they would go through the house trying to sweep away the old. So God does that with our sin. In Isaiah 44, in verse 22, he says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. He sweeps it away. Better than any house cleaning has ever been done. 
He cleans our souls. He sweeps away the old sin. He makes us clean and acceptable for the holy God. In Acts 3 and verse 19, he calls to the people, he says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Our sins are swept away. They are wiped out because of what Christ has done at the cross for us. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, it says in the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 29, that he, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes it away. He sweeps it away. It's wiped out. We rejoice in the cleansing that comes because of the cross. That even if we don't feel clean, that he declares we are clean when we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. The Jews in the Orthodox Jews today will do a extensive cleaning, trying to find all the old yeast and trying to, to get under things and do whatever they can, trying to do a cleaning, trying to get it all out of the house. And there's many people who are trying to do that with their lives. And they're working hard. They're trying to clean up their lives. They're trying to get all the sin cleaned up. Trouble is, you can get your house clean, but you can't get your soul clean in your own good works. And you can work hard, and you can be religious, and you can do good things and be moral, but you're never going to get your house clean. You're never going to get your soul clean enough on your own. You need the cleansing work of Jesus. But Jesus, he can clean your soul and make it acceptable. He can do a cleansing like no one else can. He wipes our sin away. And the cross sets us free and makes us new. He says, as you really are. And what he means is, is new. He says, this is what you really are. He, he says, you don't live a boastful life. Don't live this immoral, divisive life like he talks about in the rest of Corinthians there. He says, no, that's not who you are if you're in Christ. He says, if you're in Christ, you are made new. And you are to live as this new creation. In the next chapter here in Corinthians, he, he gives a list of all kinds of terrible sins. And, and he says, and this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. He says what you were was the old unclean. But he says, and that's not what you are now because you're in Christ. You're trusting in him, you've come to Christ, you've been, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. The cross changes us, we're no longer slaves to sin, we're set free. The people of the Exodus, they took a little while to realize you're no longer slaves, you're free. And it can take us time as well to realize we're not what we were. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We've been set free by Jesus. And the prophet Zechariah, he, he looks ahead to the coming of Christ into Palm Sunday and he says, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. And then he says, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. He comes to bring salvation. He comes to bring freedom. 
because of Jesus, because he came to be the lamb, we're saved and we're free. And that lamb selection Sunday, they'd, as we said, they'd try to look for the, just the right cut of meat. They'd try to look for just the right lamb. Because you can be a great cook, but those of you who are good cooks, you, you know you can be a good cook, but if you have rotten meat, you're not going to get a good dinner. <laughs> no matter how good a cook you are, if the meat's rotten, it won't be any good. The way that's how it is in our lives as well. You can be good, moral, religious, upright. But if you don't have the right lamb, <laughs> then it doesn't make a difference all that much. How skilled you are, how moral you are, how good you are. You need to have the right lamb. <laughs> the right lamb is Jesus. You need to have him as your lamb. You need to have him as your savior. And when he's your lamb, when he's your savior, when you have chosen wisely, when you have chosen the right lamb, then you're saved. Then we're free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can choose the right lamb. We can have you. You are willing to be the lamb who is the sacrifice for our sin. And now we are people who are saved. We are people who have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.